This is the Purpose Church podcast where we exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. Come on, somebody give Jesus a big, loud round of applause today. Jesus is alive, 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 isn't he? You know, we get to celebrate Jesus being alive today, and there's no other religion in the world that can claim that their God is alive, but our God is alive. Somebody say amen to that. Amen means so be it. You're going to need to engage with me a little bit today. We got a a part here in a minute where I'm going to need your help, but let me tell you what Easter is not. Easter is not purely sentimental. Easter is not a time where we just go to mass with grandma. Easter is not simply a day for family barbecues, even though San Antonio likes to party a little bit. Easter is not a bunch of kids riding on a flatbed trailer running through town wearing Easter bunny ears. Easter is not cute. Easter is not chocolate. Now, why do Christians celebrate Easter? What is the reason for Easter? Many people think it's all about baskets of candy and fancy hats and bunnies and eggs, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about who we celebrate on Easter, and that's Jesus. And we're talking about why we celebrate him, because he died and rose from the dead. We celebrate Easter to worship our eternally perfect God, who separated himself from every other deity by choosing to give up his own rights and life, to restore and save the rights and lives of his creation. That's why we celebrate Easter. Let's read that again. We celebrate Easter to worship our eternally perfect God who separated himself from every other deity by choosing to give up his own rights and life, to restore and save the rights and lives of his creation. Easter is powerful. Easter is important. There is only one God who gives up what he deserves to give his creation what they don't deserve. That's our God. That's why we celebrate Easter. And I've got a few more reasons why we celebrate Easter. Everybody say the word amen. Amen. When you say the word amen, that literally means so be it. That word means so be it. And that means you are in agreement with what is being said. So when I say one of these reasons for Easter, I want you to say, so be it. Amen with me. We celebrate Easter because Easter represents the moment that God's only son, Jesus, took on your death sentence, served the term, and called it finished. Somebody say amen. Amen. Jesus took on the darkest of evils through the world and through the worst death just in case you decide to believe in him 2,000 years later. Somebody say amen. We celebrate Easter because I thought I was smart enough, good enough, caring enough, and strong enough to be the father, son, husband, employee, and brother I need to be, but I and you constantly fall short. That's why we celebrate Easter. Somebody say amen. Amen. We celebrate Easter because the sting of our failure to perfectly follow God's laws was swallowed up by the victory of Christ's empty tomb. Somebody say amen. We celebrate Easter because our God carried out his plan to give up what he deserved, to give us back what we never earned and deserved to lose. Somebody say amen. Amen. We celebrate Easter because without Easter, our Savior is dead in a grave. 
but with him, our human failings are dead in his grave. Somebody say, amen. We celebrate Easter because Jesus himself said it was the day that he would be glorified. Amen to that. Somebody say amen. We celebrate Easter because when we find our lives at a dark dead end, Jesus has already been at that dark dead end, and he's gone ahead of us to make another way. Somebody say amen to that. We celebrate Easter because we killed our God who came to earth as a perfect man three days before his perfect father, our creator, raised him back to life. Somebody say amen to that. We celebrate Easter because the same power, the Holy Spirit, that quaked the earth, that stole death from hell and made it life, that rolled away the stone, that pushed back the darkness, is alive to do God's work in our hearts today. Somebody say amen to that. We celebrate Easter because we need to remember that nothing amazing happens without sacrifice. Somebody say amen. Amen. We celebrate Easter because this one day sums up the reason God left heaven to enter his immeasurable creation as a tiny crying human. Somebody say amen to that. We celebrate Easter because Jesus is the hope of the world, but he's also the hope of my world. Somebody say amen. We celebrate Easter because we kill the author of life, but God used Jesus' death to give our story a victorious and happy ending. Somebody say amen to that. And we celebrate Easter simply because Jesus. In 1 John 4, 19, he says we love each other because he first loved us. Somebody say amen to that truth today. See, no matter what the struggles are we're facing, or what hardships this world is up against, and I think we could all agree this world is up against quite a few hardships right now. No matter what this world is facing, we can still celebrate because Christ is alive and has a plan for our lives. Somebody say amen to that. Our text today is what happened after the resurrection. Now we know that Jesus was alive, was crucified, was, was, was killed, and then rose from the dead three days later. Now that we know that to be true and absolute truth, even as we discovered in that video, that it is absolute truth that Jesus rose from the dead, now that we know that, now that we see that, what happened after the resurrection? In our text today, we're going to find out what the disciples were doing after the resurrection And what this could mean like for our lives. Look at John chapter 20, verse 19 through 21. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, say this with me, everybody, peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. And as the Father sent me, I also send you. And we've got to unpack this a little bit today because it's very important for us to know what were the disciples doing, why were they doing it, and, and what was Jesus doing in this moment? See, it said that it was evening on the first day of the week. It was Sunday. And then the doors were shut and, and I, I'm interested to know, like, how many of us know this part of the story. The doors were shut. The disciples were in hiding. They were afraid. The doors were shut. They were, it, it, it's the beginning of Passover. They're in Passover right now, but they're in mourning. They're hiding. 
The disciples are hiding because they were followers of Jesus Christ, and they're wondering if they're next. So they're hiding in this house, wondering if they're coming for them next, wondering if Caiaphas and Annas, the the high priest and his son, are going to come looking for them, wondering if the Jews are hunting them down in the middle of Passover. The doors were shut for fear of the Jews. Some translations say that the disciples were scared to death, so they locked the door. They were scared to death. They're wondering what is happening, even though, even though Mary Magdalene had already gone to the tomb, and even though Peter and John had already had a foot race to the tomb after Mary Magdalene came back and said that an angel told me Jesus rose from the dead, he's not there. Someone either stole his body or he's risen from the dead. She runs back and tells the disciples they don't believe her. The Peter and John run to the tomb. They can't find anything. Angels are saying, he's risen from the dead. You would think that this would be amazing news to the disciples. You think that they wouldn't need to lock themselves up because Jesus did what he said he would do. But what actually happened was after Peter and John, the Bible literally records that they had a foot race to the tomb and that John beat Peter all the way to the tomb. So they, they run to the tomb, they come back, even though they saw all of his linens. The Bible says his linens were folded on the bed, so make your bed, everybody. Jesus did. <laughs> even though all of this was folded there and laying there, they still locked themselves up in a house. This is after the resurrection. See, here's what I know and here's what I believe. So many of us are locked up in fear. See, you and I have spent the last year with everybody on the news telling us what to be afraid about and what to be afraid of and and who to listen to and who not to listen to. And I'm I'm kind of tired of getting told what to do. I don't know about you. But I, I wonder if you and I could be honest with ourselves right now and say, maybe emotionally, relationally, I've locked myself up. I'm, I'm, I'm keeping myself at bay. Maybe there's been something that has just been hurt, like hurting you so much, some relationship issues or something that has just got you locked up. Or maybe you're just dog tired of all of this stuff that we're having to walk through together. You're tired of all the miniature panic attacks when you walk into Costco and can't find your mask. You're tired of all this nonsense. Maybe you're just tired of being locked up. You're tired of being locked up in fear. You're tired of the, these issues that are we're plaguing you. We're, we're tired of being locked down. The disciples locked themselves down because they were afraid. Fear is the devil's number one tactic. If he can get you afraid, he can take your power. He can take your strength. The devil does everything he can to make us afraid. Look, I've got two points today. Point number one, the resurrected Jesus offers peace. Everybody say peace. peace. And I know many of us have been so locked up in fear, but Jesus, what did he do to the disciples? Jesus finds the disciples. This is what's amazing to me. The Bible just kind of writes it down like it's normal for the brother to just show up in the middle of the room. Like it's normal for Jesus just to walk through the wall. That's not normal. But Jesus just walks through the wall and he's like, hey, everybody, peace be with you. Oh, right, right. The door's locked and you're here and there's holes in your hands. Yeah, peace be nothing. 
You know, I'm wondering what the disciples were thinking in that moment. I don't know about you, but I might need to change a pants after I saw a dude walk through the wall, showing me holes in his hands. Peace be with you are his first words. Peace be with you. Now, that word peace is really the word shalom. Everybody say shalom. That word doesn't simply just mean peace. English is a very limited language. And if you want to really study the Bible, you need to dig into it in its original languages that were very beautiful and and deep in meaning. But English is just very literal and very direct. So it's kind of hard to get what they were really saying if you just read through it in English. So there's so there's so many tools on the internet for you right now to study God's word. So many, I wish they'd been there in Bible school, would have made my writing papers a lot easier, but dial-up internet didn't work really back then, so there wasn't much going on. But I will tell you, you can dig into it so easily now. The word shalom means a deepness of peace from within, that there's this soul-level peace that nothing can steal The disciples were locked up for fear of the Jews, for fear of being come down on, for fear of dying, for fear of being taken prisoner. The disciples were afraid, and maybe you're afraid of whatever's going on in your life right now, whatever that is, whatever that fear is, maybe you're locked up right now. Jesus comes to you and says, a deepness of peace within you I want to give you. See, Jesus didn't change their situation. The Bible doesn't even record that Jesus unlocked the door. Jesus poofed into the room and poofed out of the room and left them in there, locked up. And then Jesus went and visited a bunch of other people. Can you imagine how much fun Jesus had for 40 days after his resurrection? I mean, Jesus, I, I believe that Jesus had a sense of humor. I don't know about you. I don't know what kind of Jesus you think you follow, but my Jesus has a sense of humor. And I believe Jesus poofed into rooms and was like, what's up? Scaring everybody. Jesus just kept walking into dinner parties, scaring people for 40 days. And then he floats up to heaven. He's like, now build a church. I'm out. And he's gone. See, Jesus, I believe he had fun with this. Jesus shows up. The disciples are afraid. He says, peace be with you. Speaks right to the core of the issue, though. He didn't just show up and and have dinner with them. The Bible also records in another gospel that Jesus said he was hungry. So the resurrected Jesus, the Bible says that they broiled some fish for him, gave him some fish. He sat there and had dinner with them. Can you imagine what that dinner party was like? I wish I would have been on that invite list to hear the conversation, to talk to the resurrected Jesus. Jesus says, peace be with you. John 14, 27, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. This peace I give is a gift that the world could never give. So don't be troubled or afraid. When I read that, I read it to me. We can believe for other people, our governmental leaders, people in our lives to give us peace, but the world will never give you the peace that's already been made available to you. He says, do not be troubled or afraid. I've got this. Don't rely on anyone else for peace of mind and heart because you'll be found wanting. Peace of mind and heart is yours. I love what Jesus did with the disciples in this moment. I love that he came right down in the middle of their situation and spoke right to their need. See, 
how do you receive this peace, this peace? The first way you receive this peace is by receiving the prince of peace. The Bible calls Jesus the prince of peace. You cannot know peace unless you know the prince of peace. You will be chasing peace all of your life, wanting soul-level peace. How many of you love just some soul-level peace in your life? To where all of these things can swirl on around you, but there's something on the inside of you that is stronger and stalwart. It's not being moved. That soul level kind of peace. See, Jesus, you see, maybe you and I, I've been guilty of saying this. Maybe you have too. I can't wait for things to go back to normal. (laughs) You have said it. Can't wait for things to go back to normal. Can I bust your bubble for a minute? Jesus does not intend for anything to go back to normal. What Jesus intends for is to make all things new. That's what Jesus is up to. Who you were before all of this stuff began does not have to be who you are now. If anything has been taught to us during this last 12 months of our lives together, if anything's been taught to us, it's that we are not in control of much of anything. And that if we don't give Jesus complete control, then every single thing that hits us is going to rock us. And I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm a little tired of the whiplash. I want some peace in my life. Some deep soul level peace. The peace that surpasses all human understanding and intellect. And see, Jesus left the grave. He left. You and I should too. But what you and I are doing is we're going back to some old ways of thinking. We're wanting normal back. We're going back to old patterns. And maybe for some of us, our patterns have gotten even worse during this pandemic. See, the more you miss church, the less you miss church. But thank God, I'm just, we have a saying in West Texas where I grew up that I'm just tickled pink. I don't know if y'all ever heard that. But I'm just tickled pink that we get to have Easter together this year, and I'm not talking to a camera. I'm just tickled pink. I'm with you today. So I'm super happy. Even in first service, all the electricity shut off in the middle of my sermon, and I just kept preaching because I'm tickled pink that you're all here, and it doesn't matter to me because I grew up Pentecostal, and I can yell. So we, we had fun in first service. I'm just glad that we get to be together. See, there's so many things we can point to joy, but I want you to know that it would be damaging to you and your life and your faith if you're just wanting normal or going back to old things. See, Jesus left the grave. We should too. So stop running back to revive dead things and start embracing your new life ahead. Somebody say amen to that. See, I believe your new life ahead is powerful and it involves Jesus. It involves a real relationship with Jesus. So your action point today It's to say yes to Jesus Christ and invite him into your hearts. Maybe for the very first time, maybe some of you need to come back to Jesus. You met Jesus a long time ago, but you've walked away from him and he doesn't have first place in your life and you're ready to come back to Jesus. Maybe that's your your purpose for today. Look at Ephesians chapter four, verse 21 through 24. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. 
Put on your new nature. Everybody say new nature. nature. Created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Revelation 21.5. Look, I am making all things new. Everything. My mind, my attitude, my, my, my desires, I am making all things new. And I don't know about you, but when Landon was in charge of his life, I didn't do such a good job at being God for myself. I didn't do such a good job with that. There were so many things in my life that were backwards, and it wasn't until I released control and gave my life completely to Jesus that things became brand new. I am so glad that Jesus came down in the middle of my locked up room and brought peace to my life. I'm so glad that in the middle of my hiding and in the middle of my fear and in the middle of my anxiety and in the middle of my depression that Jesus showed up on the scene and breathed new life into me and said, peace be unto your soul. I'm so glad that my Jesus didn't show up in the middle of that locked room and discipline me. Some of you are afraid that if you let Jesus in, which by the way, he'll just walk through the wall. Jesus just shows up on the scene and instead of saying, here's all the things you've done wrong, Jesus looked at me and he looks at you and says, peace be unto your soul. That's the Jesus I serve. Because the disciples were doing all kinds of things wrong. Peter had just chopped a dude's ear off like days before this. Like the disciples were so unhinged, they were hurting people. Hiding, falling asleep in the garden. Jesus asked them to stay awake. Cutting people's ears off. Denying Jesus three times. Cock-a-doodle-doo. They, they, were make, they were doing all kinds of things wrong, but then Jesus still comes to them, doesn't talk about their faults at all, but instead just says, peace be with you. The resurrected Jesus offers peace. The resurrected Jesus also offers purpose. Everybody say Purpose. Purpose, yeah. Everybody say purpose. purpose. I didn't do that on purpose, but it worked. <laughs> Jesus offers purpose. Look what Jesus did for the disciples in the middle of that moment. Jesus doesn't come to the disciples and say, peace be with you, and then eat dinner, and then disappear. Jesus has something else to say. Remember what it said? Verse 21 So Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. He had a plan for them. See, the absence of fear isn't comfort. It's purpose. And we have got to know how to find a a way out of this place of fear. See, Jesus blesses his disciples in that moment, not with rest, Not with security, not with safety, but rather with peace and purpose. And he offers the same thing to me and you today. Peace and purpose. Jesus said to them, peace be with you as the Father has sent me. I also send you. You were created on purpose for a purpose. You were not an accident. God didn't sneeze and out you came. He purposefully created you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. Look at this, Ephesians 2.10. 
even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do. In advance, before you were born. So before you were born, are you telling me, Landon, that before I was born, God had this planned out, that God knew what I would be doing with my life? Yes, absolutely, 100%. If I believe that God's word is true, then I believe that is true. That before you were born, God planted in advance your destiny and the good works that you would do. I love what Jesus did for the disciples here. In the middle of fear, Jesus didn't give them three ways to be happy. He didn't give them seven ways to smile again. He didn't didn't give them the latest copy of his book on how to find joy. He didn't do any of that. He said, peace be unto your soul, a deep level, soul level peace, and here's a purpose I have for you. As the Father sent me, I also send you. See, I know this to be true, and obviously it's a passion of the Purpose Church to talk about your purpose, but people are not going to live the life that God has for them unless they have discovered their purpose. That a lot of people are living a clock-in, clock-out kind of life, going home, hoping to have enough money at the end of the month, just living life on scraps emotionally and physically, and then come to church and are wondering, when is this going to change my life? Can I tell you, it's not enough just to come and warm these chairs. There is a purpose designed for you that only you can do. And it's until you find that out that you'll be wondering and grabbing at straws. See, your purpose is not the job you have right now. That is not your purpose. Because I know what the Bible says, and in Greek, there's a big difference between a calling and a vocation. Your vocation may be part of your calling, but that is not your calling. If I didn't believe that, then this church wouldn't be in the direction it's headed. It wouldn't be the purpose church. It wouldn't be a lot of things that she is today. See, a lot of people have come and discovered their purpose are living things out that are making a difference in the lives of other people. And can I tell you, can I tell you, there is nothing more fun than watching someone's eyes light up when they discover their purpose. When they discover why they are on earth. See, there's two greatest days in somebody's life. The day they're born and the day they, the day they discover why they're born. A lot of people don't know the answer to that second question. And a lot of us try to remove fear from our lives in a lot of different ways. But I'm telling you right now, the best way to remove fear from your life is to discover your design. Is to discover your purpose. So the action point for you here is get in a healthy church family. Go to growth track. Happens every Sunday. Go to growth track. Start serving and giving to other people. You will see your life radically change. The more we focus on our problem, the bigger that problem gets. The more power we give it. But Jesus came that we would have life and life abundantly, and that involves our purpose. See, Easter is about new beginnings. Easter is about a fresh start. Easter is about dead things coming alive. And today you can begin living life on purpose. See, so many of us are living life on accident. Things are just happening to you. And you're trying to spin all the plates. It's stressful, isn't it? 
It's exhausting. But Jesus came, was crucified, rose from the dead three days later, took the keys of, took the keys of death away from hell, brought life to you, and today we can live life on purpose. We don't have to live life on accident. You can live life on purpose. In every area of your life, you can live life on purpose. I believe a lot of you, God is wanting, God is speaking to you right now that he has had you in his hand this whole time. And you thought you have been alone, but God is saying to you, I supernaturally walked into your locked up room and I brought you here today to a charter school cafeteria to hear peace be with you. I brought you here today to tell you that I have a purpose for you. Jesus is saying, I brought you here today, not for the bounce houses and eggs and cotton candy and popcorn and all of that. I brought you here today to remind you that you have a purpose and a destiny, that I had that planned out before you were born, that anything that you're going through right now pales in comparison to the great life I have for you to live, and that life involves a beautiful, dynamic, on-purpose life. Jesus has that for you, and it can start today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, today you can begin a brand new life with Jesus. Today you can start brand new. Today you can live a life of purpose. Today everything can change. And it all starts with making Jesus the Lord of your life. Maybe you've met Jesus before, but life happened and things happened and you just kind of went on your own way. But you're realizing today that there's a better life and it involves Jesus. So maybe you're coming back to Jesus today. Maybe you're meeting Jesus for the very first time. And what we're gonna do is we're all gonna pray out loud together. And if you've made a decision for Jesus today, there is a box on your connection card and you'll just check that box, I made a fresh start with God today. So let's all pray out loud together. Say, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sin. I receive your grace. I receive it completely. I receive the truth that you've got a purpose for my life. Show me that purpose. Help me to walk in it. Your word tells me that I'll never be the same. So I declare it boldly that I am a Christian and that I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Come on, give God praise today. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Church podcast. If God uses this message to impact your life, tell us your story by emailing mystory@thepurposechurch.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information.